0: Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast you really don't want to miss. I'm Suzanne Harris, and you are about to get a sneak peek at what goes on behind the scenes with an author. You'll find out their secret recipe for creating their book. They'll tell you where they got their ideas, and you might even get an inside scoop on their next project. If you want to know more, we'll tell you where to find them on social media. So are you ready? Let's meet the author. Joining me today is Karina Sue Burns, and she's here to talk about her personal memoir, The Syrian Jewelry Box, A Daughter's Journey for Truth. Karina, welcome. Hello.
1: Hello. Hello. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm well, thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to share my story.
0: Well, it's an absolute pleasure. And I'm always curious about where authors start to be writers. Did you start writing when you were young? Was this book your first attempt to write? Where did you get started with writing, Karina?
1: Wow. Let me think back. Um, probably when I read Little Women, I had an idea that I wanted to write. But I hadn't entered any contests. I hadn't really written anything other than the usual essays in school. So I would say just reading Little Women inspired me. And then... I would say having gone through an experience that was traumatic during my teens led me to want to tell the world about it, hence my story. But the, prior to the memoir, I had written a small pamphlet, kind of like what you call an e-book, so that my editor said you need to give people an idea of your style of writing kind of tease them. And then I also wrote a little small guidebook. So two pamphlets part of the Big Bang, so to
0: speak. <laughs> I love that. Well you know, it it sounds like most authors have some kind of backstory. I mean, for the most part, let's face it, authors are not usually born. Now there are some people that I've talked to that they've started writing really, really young, but most of the time there's something that inspires them, either, as you said, they read a work, and all of a sudden they looked at that work and they thought, you know what, I think I'm going to be a writer, I can write myself, or there's a teacher that recognizes some talent and says, you know, I'm going to encourage you because I see that, that you write very well. Or sometimes there's even uh, some, a member of a family like a parent or a, an aunt or something who is involved in writing and the, the person sees that. And then they think, well, I think I'll do this. And they're encouraged by their relative. Another thing that will happen is the thing that happened with you. There's some seminal event that occurs in their life, and that seminal event makes them want to share that event. They, they want to write a book, and they want to get it down on paper, and they want they want people to be able to read that book because they think their message is important, and they think whatever happened to them is important, just like your book. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. But one of the things I want to talk about is the book cover. When I went to Amazon and looked at your book for the first time, I was struck by the book cover. And I thought, when I talk to Karina, I'm going to ask her about that book cover. Tell me about the book cover.
1: Well, that's um, a good question. It just so happened that the my publishing company had a graphic designer that nailed it. And the design of that jewelry box emulates the original, where I discovered my secret.
0: Wow. At age 15. What's the history behind that jewelry box?
1: Well, the... Syrian jewelry box. I believe that my mother had purchased it in Damascus, Syria, since it's Syrian, and it has mother of pearl mosaic inlaid. The pearls inlaid, and it's just spectacular. In of itself, one would want to go inside it because it's so beautiful, and then wonder what what what's inside. Such a beautiful jewelry box.
0: Oh, it sounds like. I mean. It- You've seen these, you know, you have an aunt or something who has a really cool jewelry box or she wears really cool jewelry. And so you think, (laughs) I would love to just go through the jewelry in that jewelry box and just touch it. I don't want to take it. I just want to touch it and look at it because it's so gorgeous. It sounds like that's the kind of feeling that one would get whenever they would look at this jewelry box.
1: Exactly. And actually, my mother and I both love jewelry and I believe i got my love for jewelry from her because she when we were going to the downtown market or the souk in Jeddah, she would buy so much jewelry i think she had jewelry for every day of the week a different (laughs) ring or whatever a woman after my own heart (laughs) so i had to go inside that jewelry box to figure out what what was in this what treasures did she hide in here
0: well, you start the book off, I have to say that you really, and I'm not just saying this because you and I are talking, when I began to read the excerpt that's on Amazon, your prose is so clear and so resonating that the moment I began to read it, I was right there with you and your brother, your Prose is so descriptive that it reaches out, takes the reader by the lapels, and pulls them right into the book. Now, how old were you when the book started?
1: Well, when I had the thought, I was 40, um, after having a conversation with my sister-in-law. I had an idea to write my story, and she said, go for it. So 40 was when the thought transpired. Um Came about, came upon, came out of my mind, and then it just took off after that.
0: How hard was it? Not
1: easy. Not easy.
0: How hard was it to oh, sit down and go back and think about those memories?
1: Oh, uh, without a doubt, I can tell you that it's cathartic, but tears flowing the last two years, probably the last four, but specifically the last two years, especially when I had to do research because my book was desired by the publisher in 2013, but I told him, I'm sorry, I'm not ready. And then I had to do some research for two years to nail the history. And I would not let a book go out without with, with any kind of mistake because my father was somewhat of a historian. He had a keen interest for history. So it was dedicated to my parents. So my research was, I had to get that correct. And then in 2015, those last two years between 2013 and 2014 was when the emotions were just flowing. And I probably took the paper and threw it in the trash can at one point. But it was my editor who said, if you want to gain the readership that your book deserves, you have to take your inner journey and mirror it with your outer journey. And I said, excuse me, what does that mean? I had no idea. And for two years, I finally worked my butt off and listened to the muse, and it paid off.
0: What's your writing process like, Karina? Do you sit down at the computer and start typing, and the story begins to unfold in your mind? Or are you a person who uses a, a tablet and you write with a pen? How do you write? I usually go
1: right to the computer because I have many discombobulated thoughts, and I just start typing and giving me what I call my outline. There's no structure. That's the editor's job. And I let my raw energy flow. Um, If there is any raw energy or if there are words, albeit you could spend 12 hours and not produce much, but you are exercising the the brain or the mind to make a connection with the pen or, or the keyboard with which you're transmitting the words that gets the juices going and that's how I operate. Um I just let let them fall um out of my fall onto the paper, so to speak.
0: Did you that, outline, course, a
1: lot of editing?
0: Did you outline any of this before you started creating the book?
1: Probably a little, but um, of course, my editor had um, that was her job as well to create an outline with first and second, third act, you know, uh, introduction, prologue, epilogue, you know the middle part, the end, the conclusion. But I probably did to give myself an idea of what, what exactly are you trying to say? You're not just putting out gibberish. You have to have a clear message. So I did take some notes, probably myself, but not not a lot. I think I just typed and then try to put it into a uh, some sort of an outline that was comprehensive or comprehensible, comprehensive um, (laughs) to the reader, something that I could understand. Um, I guess that was my method of trying to get things in order, so to
0: speak. Makes sense. That makes sense. Did you did you learn anything? about yourself from writing the book?
1: Hmm, that's a really good question. I became more at peace with myself and understanding of my relationship with my parents and I think also with just at peace with myself, my surroundings. I think one of the reasons, I would say the number one reason I wrote the book was to heal but at the same time to heal others or to help others heal so that they don't have to go through the same thing that I went through at that precise moment at age 15. And then of course the 29 years later,
0: I heard the word catharsis, and I think when someone goes through an ordeal like you went through, and we're not going to reveal what that ordeal is in case the listeners want to know, we're not telling, but when someone goes through an ordeal like that, it's physical, it's mental, and I think revisiting the ordeal when you have some age and some distance allows you the opportunity for catharsis. And when I heard you say that word, I just thought that it was an important point for us to emphasize because writing often is cathartic. And if any of our listeners have experienced some kind of seminal event in their life that's been a life changer, an illness, an accident, something like that, then if they would sit down and write that down on paper and get it out of of their their body and their mind i think they would feel differently themselves would you agree with that
1: oh without a doubt 100 percent. as a matter of fact it brings back what my father said when he mentioned wow you're going to be publishing your story and he asked he said how what's the process like and i'm I'm very proud of you, he said. And I said, thanks, Dad. And he said, I bet that it was cathartic. Writing is cathartic, right, Karina? (laughs) And, of course, the tears are flowing. And, yes, reliving the moment is very scary, and that's probably why I didn't want to write certain things. But my editor had said that if you leave something or anything out, the reader will find out, and it won't gain the readership it deserves. And now I understand why she said that. Won't and that's truth. why she said, yeah, the inner journey must mirror the outer journey. And boy, I just fell off my chair thinking, wow, I thought my book was over. But, <laughs> but I get it today.
0: Let's give the listeners just an overview of what the Syrian Jewelry Box is about Let's just give them a general overview of the book. It starts how old were you when you when the book started
1: Eight and a half when we left the United States, we relocated to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia in nineteen sixty eight so I was eight
0: and you you were in Saudi Arabia. I mean you had a, a huge adventure it was an overseas adventure. You guys went to different countries. You took a major road trip. You had a younger brother who was involved in all of this as well. I mean, this is really, your prose is so beautiful. When I started to read the beginning of the book, I was right there. I was on that airplane with you. I was in the airport with you. I could smell those smells mm-hmm. that you were smelling. Mm-hmm. You're really very descriptive. And, You have a part of the book, I believe, that you'd like to share with our listeners.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. And the time span would be from 1968 um, throughout the book to 1975. That's seven years. But it does not just include the lifetime within Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. As you mentioned, there also is what I call our family odyssey. We fulfilled my father's dream. To drive from Saudi Arabia, specifically Jeddah, to Paris in 1975. So that's spanning eleven countries and 23 cities in a time span of two months. Wow! To get back to school.
0: (laughs) Wow! that's,
1: that's That's an odyssey. So, and this is before the Berlin Wall came down. So this is during the communist. My introduction to communism.
0: Wow. I mean, talk about an education in itself.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's the other reason why I had to write my story, because I it, it was as if I had discovered a part of myself in each culture, and I wanted to make sure that the research for the history, I wanted to pay homage to each his, uh, culture um, that we passed through. Um, specifically, my father wanted to I believe, he never said, but I believe that he wanted to see history unfold in front of his own eyes. He had read about all these
0: places, extraordinary places. So there you have it. Excellent. Well, let's hear a reading.
1: So this chapter absolutely is chapter 12, The Discovery, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, 1975. Every family has a secret secret whether it's found in dusty old letters buried in an attic chest or a precious gem tucked inside a jewelry box, I only ever wished to be happy forever. Like that young girl, that was me, to have enjoyed the ultimate freedom whenever I opened the door to sun, sand, and the Red Sea. The peace that surrounded me was the peace within me, until that momentous day, seven years after our arrival in 1968. I'd never dreamed of looking inside of mom's jewelry box. That remained private territory. But that day, my curiosity gripped the best of me after dad asked me to bring his wallet from his bedroom. Always in that same spot, the octagon-shaped Syrian mosaic pearl jewelry box lay centered atop the lot, the light pine armoire. The jewelry box's ornate beauty and what lay inside of it intrigued me. I opened the lid and heard Mom's footsteps. I slammed it shut and hurried toward the patio, grabbing Dad's wallet. Mom glanced at me. What are you doing, Karina? I'm getting Dad's wallet, I answered, poker-faced. Karina, I would appreciate you not going through my things without my permission, okay? She wrinkled her forehead. Embarrassed, I replied with a heated face, I understand, Mom. After this incident, my curiosity burned unceasingly. One day in early May, Mom left on a midnight flight to Germany to be at her ailing mother's side. As with all the other times, I accompanied Dennis during our walk home from the school bus stop across from the open-air movie theater. That day, Dennis surprised me with, See ya, I'm off to Frank's house. How long are you going to hang out? Till supper time?" My obsession returned in full force and stirred up butterflies in my stomach. I thought about how I often noticed Mom remove her rings and place them down on the next table next to her. And each time I stared at her beautiful and different rings, the more I wanted to try them on. I always felt that I happened to be different that I didn't fit in. But while I believed the pieces to my life's puzzle were fitting, those irresistible urges to snoop inside of Mom's jewelry box returned. Might a piece to my life's puzzle have been missing still? I glanced out the window to be sure no one appeared. I gulped down a glass of water in the kitchen. The dishes that Thabit cleaned this morning were stacked high in the dish rack. I knew that my job included had putting them away by dinner time, but right now, the dishes didn't matter. I paced up and down the living room, psyching myself up to go into my parents' bedroom. My arms crossed over my chest, and I felt my heart pound. I passed by my own room. A feeling of uneasiness overwhelmed me. Should I proceed to my room? Should I read a book or change course? Thinking about the smart thing to do didn't work. I scuffled my feet and intertwined my hands. I fidgeted with them and got cold feet. The cuckoo clock's pendulum swung twice each second, reminding me that I could turn back, but I didn't. Instead, I kept walking down the long, narrow hallway toward my parents' bedroom. I watched behind and in front of me. I passed Dennis' room, kept surveillance, corner to corner, acting as if I were waiting for something or someone. When I got to the open bedroom door, my heart faced, raced faster. The room felt forbidden to me. The cuckoo clock chimed on the hour, reminding me that it was only 4 p.m. Lots of time before Dad returned from work and Dennis got back from Frank's. My body felt like it had a mind of its own. I bit my nails even though I had previously stopped. I probably would never have another chance to soak perfectly designed as this one. I persisted, determined to satisfy my urges. The tightly shut patio doors kept out the intense afternoon sun. I flipped on the light switch to their dusky bedroom. Laundry detergent permeated the air. Dad's clothes, which Sabit had neatly folded, sat untouched near the edge of the bed. Mom and Dad's sleek beige armoire sat at the opposite end. I eyed the alluring Syrian jewelry box, which sat opposite the hand-carved mirror. The mere sight of it made me breathe faster. With trembling hands and the utmost care, I lifted the lid of the jewelry box. Before I touched anything, I scanned all the pieces to be sure I didn't forget what went where. I noted four small plastic bags filled with diamond rings in each one. There were a lot of diamond rings here. I wonder if they were real or just costume jewelry. Why on earth would mom own so many? I then recalled her telling me that she bought fake diamond rings. I poured over the pieces. I recognized two shiny gold bracelets and concluded that she had bought them at the gold souk. I spotted an ornate silver necklace. It looked exactly like the Bedouin jewelry that mom bought at the gold souk at the same time I chose my snake ring. I poured over gold rings with rubies, emeralds, and semi-precious stones. There must have been a ring for each day of the week. These couldn't all be real, too. Dismissing them, out of the corner of my eye, I spotted Mom's silver ring with black
0: etchings. That's it. And that's where you're going to leave us hanging, aren't you?
1: That's where I'm sorry. No, I have to stop right here.
0: Absolutely perfect, Karina. And I was right there with you seeing that jewelry box gleaming, you know, and almost beckoning you to come and open me, open me. I'm sure that we have our listeners sitting on the edge of their chairs and they're saying, where can we get this book? Amazon, of course, and if you've never worked with Amazon, it's very simple. All you have to do is put www.amazon.com in your browser at the top. Click on it, and it takes you right to the Amazon website. Now, there's a search feature that's a really long rectangular box. In that search feature, here's what you'll type. The Syrian, S-Y-R-I-A-N, Jewelry, J-E-W-E-L-R-Y, Box, Colon, A Daughter's Journey for Truth by Karina, C-A-R-I-N-A, Sue, S-U-E, Burns, B-U-R-N-S. Then just click... And the book comes right up, and you'll see that lovely book cover that looks just like the jewelry box. And if you look in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see the words, Look Inside. Now, it doesn't actually open the book, but when you click on Look Inside... You get to read, you get to see the very beginning of the book. You'll see the preface, you'll see a lot of information, and then you start to read the very beginning, how this story started. It will also leave you hanging, I will tell you that much, but the excerpt will let you get a feel for Karina's writing, and her writing is so beautiful. You will be pulled right into the book just like you were just now. Now, Karina, is it available somewhere else? Some people don't like to go to Amazon because they are the biggest boy on the block, as it were. Is there somewhere else that they could find the book?
1: Sure. I know that all bookstores, and actually you can order it in libraries in the contiguous U.S., Um, if you were to go into a particular bookstore and ask for that title of book, They will search and see if they are able to order it or have it possibly on their shelves. But it's called print-on-demand. So most likely, they will have to order it, and it can be shipped to your home. So any bookstores within the United States, perfect, it would be available.
0: Now, you also have a website. So let's give our listeners your website address, and then let's tell them what they'll find when they go to the website.
1: It would be w dot Karina C A R I N A Sue S U E Burns B U R N S dot Com. So it's W W W Karina sorry, W W dot Karina Sue Burns dot com.
0: No spaces, right? And when you no spaces. No, no, just
1: So when you arrive there, there'll be a picture, there'll be a a small picture of myself, a profile, and you'll see a picture of the... Well, actually, there's no picture of the book yet, but there will be a log line. And the log line basically, hopefully, pulls somebody in, and then there'll be a short paragraph about what the book is about. Then I think if you scroll down, there'll be the book content and possibly a picture of the book but I'm trying to remember what the log line says a young American expat discovers a shocking family secret while living in Saudi Arabia and now she must decide between ongoing feelings of loss and betrayal or forgiveness and then yeah go ahead yes I was going to say, then there are some pages um, along the top, which are called menus, and there'll be uh, books or other books, celebrations, contacts, the usual website information, and you can just click on those titles or menus. Uh, For instance, celebrations, um, I was able to get my book in Oxford Library. Many uh, bookstores in Paris have, specifically Shakespeare and Company, that carry my books, so I get a little bit of extra work while well, I had returned with my husband prior to COVID hitting. We were in Paris for three and a half years.
0: Oh, so. how envious <laughs> am I? That sounds so fabulous. What a beautiful city Lucky me. Is. Oh, no kidding. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Oh, you absolutely. shocked me with that one. I had no idea. Well, I think that we have to share the most exciting news that's not anywhere. Your book is being adapted to film. Tell me about that.
1: Well, yes. So one day I said to my father, I want all your Polaroids. My father was a magician with the camera, and he basically wanted to capture life's moments. And he had a Pentax. And in Saudi Arabia, it was taboo to take pictures. But he would hide the Pentax under his shirt or coat. Well, shirt, you don't really wear coats in Saudi Arabia. It's over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. And he would snap away. And I told him that I wanted all his 2,000, 3,000, however many he took. And he said, Sure, Karina, they're already on a CD for you and Dennis. And I said, Thanks, Dad, because there's going to be a movie of my story. And he said, I don't doubt it. You're going to go very far. And I've been waiting for the right moment and for the right price tag, because trying to find a screenwriter is in of itself very expensive. And I happened to join stage 32. It's a social media platform for artists and creative people. And I found my screenwriter who understands Muslims and is married to a Muslim. And she is my new screenwriter. And we're almost done with the script. And eventually we will be looking for a director. It's not as easy as that. I mean, it's it's a process. It's step by step and it's a long process, but, um, we're, we're looking to turn my story, albeit it will not be like the book, it will be based upon it through story, an inspiring um, story. So
0: So exciting. So exciting. Well, Thank I you. know that our time is up, and this has just been so much fun talking to you. And I always like to let the author have the last word about their work. Whenever our listeners become readers and they pick up a copy of the Assyrian Syrian Jewelry Box and they read the book and they finish the very last page for the very last time and they either electronically close their device or they physically close the back cover of the book, what is it that you would like for them to leave with? What's a message that you want them to take from the Syrian jewelry box?
1: Wow, that's a good question. Well, I remember when I was 15, and I had discovered something different from what I had known to be the truth my entire life. I wished that there had been someone there to give me a hug and say that it's going to be okay, and that you'll you will heal everything will be fine, and so I want to help others not have to go through what I went through and the twenty nine years of healing that it takes, but most importantly it's my journey of how I transformed from loss and betrayal and learned to forgive and love again and If I had known that at age fifteen, well I wouldn't have my story but I basically would like to help all those out there not have to go through what I went through at age 15.
0: They can also find you on social media. I know that you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. How can they find you on those platforms, Karina?
1: Well, let's see. For LinkedIn, it's a very long URL, But if you type in Karina Sue Burns, my name, I am available on LinkedIn. And if Karina Sue Burns, for some reason, doesn't bring my profile up, you would type in the Syrian Jewelry Box. But for LinkedIn, it's Karina Sue Burns. For Instagram, it would be the Syrian Jewelry Box. For Facebook, I have my own personal page, Karina Sue Burns or Karina Burns. But I also have Karina on Facebook for my author page and I think that's about it. Facebook, Instagram, I think those are enough. Twitter is probably available, but I don't do too much on Twitter. I'm not a a grand fan of Twitter, Um, but I'm there under the Syrian Jewelrybox.com or, sorry, the Syrian
0: Jewelry Box. There you have it. This has just been so much fun talking to you. The book is Terrific. Thank you so very much for being our guest today on Books on Air.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful.
0: Now remember, you can find Corina's book, The Syrian Jewelry Box, A Daughter's Journey for Truth, on Amazon. It's by Corinna Sue Burns. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on iTunes as well as iHeartRadio. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I do so hope you'll join our next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.